welcome to Strategy Talk where the authors and editors discuss news and events with a splash of history. Our host today is Dan Masterson. Joining him is Jim Dunnigan, well-known military author and the Dean of Wargaming. Also, joining today's show is columnist and author retired Lieutenant Colonel Austin Bay. Welcome Austin and Jim. Iran, Russia and China are starting the show closer and closer uh, relationships with each other. Jim, what's going on there? Well, China's in it for the money. <laughs> They're not really out to fight anybody. Uh, that's why they made that deal with um, the Saudi Arabia, you know, for peace in the, in the Middle East. Uh, and the, the Saudis are trying to use that now to keep the Israel from, you know, attacking them to get at, you know, Iran. Um, the uh, problem uh, with all these countries is uh, oil. Um, Russia and Iran have it. China needs it. And uh, the problem is how do we keep that trade going? Because if it doesn't go, uh, then the Axis will swing into action and do nasty things. Uh, there's no real reason for any of, any of the Western countries to, uh, to stop you know, the, uh, the oil trade in the Gulf. Uh, but, you know, Iran, yeah, maybe Russia. You know, Russia has always been interested in uh, cooperating with the, uh, with the oil production in, in the Gulf because that gave them some influence in, uh, in suppressing it. If, they, if there's less oil coming out of the Gulf, the price for Russian oil goes to the roof. Um, China, of course, uh, doesn't want, you know, uh, more expensive oil. And Iran wants to keep going. Uh, so there's, there, you know, Iran and, and Russia are, are, are technically allies right now. But, you know, long term, strategically, they're not. Uh, you know, Iran really has, they're all, they're all the allies. And traditionally, they got along with the Arab Gulf states. But now they're in a state of, you know, aggression as it, as it were and uh you know it's uh, it's it's sort of messed things up hamas was only an example of that you know iran came out and said oh hamas good boys you know they said well they basically said you know the uh palestinian radical faction hamas and the trouble with that is the palestinians don't like hamas uh, because of hamas you know gaza's getting pounded there's violence in the west bank uh the Palestinians are getting nothing out of this. Uh, Hamas is out for Hamas, and it's one of these, you know, death cults. Uh, they just want to, you know, burn stuff down, destroy, destroy, destroy. Uh, they really have no clear objective. Uh, so, you know, basically, it's, it's, the, it's the wild ones versus the adults. And uh, you never know when somebody's going to turn wild. Russia is always a possibility. Iran is too. You know, China's the only adult in the group. Uh, and uh, they play things very carefully because they don't want to basically, you know, be on anybody's bad side any more or any longer than they have to. Austin? Well, the axis, new axis of evil, uh, I don't know what it is, what, what they are, uh, it's, it's, it's really all about standing up to the United States confronting the United States, fixing the United States. And in the case of China, it's about a treading U.S. power over time. 
reducing U.S. prestige, uh, showing that the, the U.S. is not prepared to be a, a global uh, leader or global actor, that the U.S. is finalist, basically uh, amplifying the uh, Afghanistan debacle. China set out to test the, the current administration right off the bat in January of 2021 when they, uh, and essentially the senior diplomats meeting in, in Alaska, uh, they berated us and uh, went after uh, American representatives there and showing their spy, their backbone, and how feckless the United States is. And it's the types of cooperation are designed to, uh, they're, they're not just military probes. They are military probes. And an example of one is Russia and China having naval exercises uh, in both the northern Pacific and uh, uh, near Japan. But uh, it's a a diplomatic probe showing the the same with replaying the same tune about see we're big and we're able to uh, we're, we're able to Increase the worry factor or the pucker factor of the uh, of, of the United States. I mean, where China, yeah, Jim says China is the adult. Well, compared to Russia and Iran, yes, but yeah, some of the probes they we run against Taiwan and Japan and the Philippines and Vietnam are absolutely uh, they're extremely dangerous. Extremely dangerous. They're designed to also. Here's the the uh, diplomatic core of it. It's a bilateral push where China is overwhelmingly powerful, particularly Vietnam uh, and and the Philippines and Taiwan. Japan is a slightly different different story. But our our regional uh, our regional might and the U.S. can't be here to back you up. Why can't the U.S. be there to back you up? number of reasons. You know, it's primarily a Navy and then air, air show. U.S. forces are spread thin. Now, ship for ship, as Jim points out, the uh, U.S. Navy is superior, but we've got a hull shortage. So that's one way of, of putting it. Don't have enough ships to meet the commitments, especially a commitment where you're up against uh, a major regional power. And on the edge of being a, a, a global power, it already is a global power economically, but being able to project a military power strategically, China's on the uh, on the edge of that. But it's to it's to show you. It even sends a message to South Korea: the U.S. can't back you up. And it, the game like that the last couple of columns I've written a like on point column. It's about U.S. power. Uh, being parceled out around the planet, uh, and, and that is defeating detail. Uh, we've discussed this before. The, the, the technique on, on on strategy talk it's as as old as, as warfare. You pick off little pieces of the other guy's force, and so and he's the the smaller, weaker force picks off little pieces of the stronger force. And then suddenly the stronger force is not. All that much stronger if it's stronger at all than than the uh, smaller adversary that's been 
uh, ambushing him and and, and uh, knocking off his supplies. And now you've got uh, a a one-on-one one-on-one fight. Uh, that's really what's going on strategically. Iran draws resources, American resources, to the Eastern Mediterranean, the Persian Gulf, uh, to the Red Sea. Also, you know, Ukraine, the U.S. gets a lot out of that. I know that there's a certain type of uh, uh, American listener that says, oh, no, it's a drain. What what is done Right? Shit. It's without the commitment of American personnel is extraordinary. But it it is a drain on American uh, stockpiles, military resources. Shows how strained uh, our uh, uh, is is our capacity to replace those stockpiles. We've left our, our so, uh, I didn't say complex. They have military-industrial-based production of military uh, material, war material, uh, decline to where we get the earth path. We can barely surge it now. There's a lot that we have we have to repl- replace. Uh, so you're getting something out of that, but still giving resources taken away, such as certain types of air defense missiles. Uh, and, and it's even, the t- that's a tactic, maybe a tactical point, but, uh, yes, an American guided missile destroyer could shoot down the Houthi drones and uh, ballistic missiles that the Houthis have fired uh, up the Red Sea and over Saudi Arabia in the direction of Israel, but it's got to expend its onboard uh, munitions, making it more vulnerable to a conventional attack until its its missiles uh, are replenished. And, all right, so that's the Middle East. you got Russia and then China with all of its uh, various probes. Plus, uh, there's another front. You want to call it separated it from the from the uh, Hezbollah front and the Hamas front with Israel, U.S. forces in Syria and Iraq, which Iran is uh, more than testing. Iran is firing at U.S. forces uh, in, in Iraq, and I believe so in in in, in Syria as as well, or at least Iranian proxies. In, in Syria, and then the question of can you consider the U.S. immigration debacle to be another front? Well, there's an argument for it because if you look at the number of of uh, suspects, not not just suspects, but known uh, the terrorists that were picked up out of the comparatively uh, small uh, number of uh, illegal migrants that were uh, that were uh, actually uh, do background checks uh, uh, on, and it was uh, I believe it was around seven hundred. You've got a disruptive force entering the U.S., and the U.S. has had uh, minimal or no control over uh, over its its borders. It is arguably a, a military vulnerability. So that's, uh, there's a lot. And, all right, the question I thought that we've batted around before is, is this calculated, is this intentional by this coalition? Because as Jim pointed out, Iran and Russia really aren't, aren't friends, and China has more use for a relationship with Saudi Arabia than it does with Iran. But uh, is, is it 
calculate. And it doesn't have to be put together in a room. The people in uh, Moscow and Beijing and Tehran are smart enough to see the uh, see how to uh, pull, pull this off. And Tehran's doing it on it on its own with its proxies that are at war with Israel. It's a it's a real conundrum, a real problem. And uh, you know, the U.S. really doesn't face it alone. We've got uh, allies, a lot of very good allies, but nevertheless, we certainly have, but since since the uh, Afghanistan debacle, you've seen this building up, and uh, now we're facing it on on the map. We're facing it on land, we're facing it on sea, and we're facing it uh, in, in uh, the air and, and near space as well. So, Jim, Iran is actually supplying Russia with a number of arms, correct? Selling them. Yeah, they need the business. They need the money. Uh, Iran is, is bankrupt because they're on the, all those sanctions are basically having an impact. Russia... You know, there's a big difference between China and Russia. I think I should point this out. Russia, they're going to war uh, without too much encouragement. And so they're, they're basically tied up in Ukraine. Uh, they're buying weapons from North Korea. Uh, some of those have to go through China in order to get smuggled into uh, into uh, into uh, Russia. Um, but the Chinese, uh, they don't want to fight. I mean, basically, they want to win. And they use different tactics. For example, they'll come at you from a dozen different, literally a dozen different directions, uh, but not fighting, but simply threatening. Uh, they do it in the South, as also pointed out, they're doing it in the South China Sea, in Vietnam, uh, Korea, Japan, you name it. But they're not at safety. The Russians are basically uh, costing themselves a lot of people and money by actually invading um, uh, Ukraine. And they're losing now. Again, the uh, the Western, the NATO uh, allies, uh, uh, countries uh, supplying uh, weapons and what have you to Ukraine has been beneficial in in in, in the respect that they are finding out how which ones work and which ones don't, which ones could be uh, you know tuned up a little bit. Uh, the uh, the stocks, the war stocks, uh, basically are, are being emptied of all their older you know items. You know that. The uh, uh, especially artillery uh, shells and you know bombs and what have you, they degenerate over time, and a lot of countries, I mean like uh, Russia, they don't care. They get a little older and say, hey, you know, be careful. Some of this stuff might go off in your face, literally. Uh, but the, uh, the the Western allies are yes, they're they're sending in a lot of their their best stuff and some of their new stuff. In fact, that <laughs> Germany just developed. A new version of the Leopard 2, the Leopard 2 A8, uh, based upon uh, how the the A7s and A6s were doing in uh, in Ukraine. Uh, so you know, everybody gets a little you know uh, a, a real experience uh, to determine which way to go if you're going to upgrade. The uh, it's going to take a while for everybody to rebuild their stocks, but they're also realizing in NATO countries. Just how much ammunition is used? Uh, a lot of these countries, the United States had pretty large, you know, munition stocks because we were were obliged to, you know, uh, possibly go in several different directions at once. The European countries just have one direction to face, and that's east with Russia. Um, 
but they're also learning just how much ammunition is used in a war, a conventional war with Russia, and it's more than they anticipated. So yes, they're replenishing their stocks, but they're going to be much larger stocks. And the French, for example, were quite open about they are permanently increasing their production capacity uh, for the uh, the 155 millimeter uh, shells, and uh, Germany is planning on doing the same. Uh, <clears throat> The, uh, the the war, like I say, is a reality check, and a lot of people are adjusting their their future war plans based on the um, uh, the Ukraine experience. The Ukrainians, of course, are doing the fighting, and they don't like it. But you know, at least they have support. Otherwise, they would have been overwhelmed by the uh, the Russians. The Russians are obsessed with uh, winning in um, in Ukraine, and uh, that 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 obsession is costing them a lot. And bit by bit, uh, their power is fading. And then really, they, they're putting the national power, national military power into the Ukraine and losing, uh, which has got to be a little intimidating. Uh, but they say, no, no, uh, that's one reason we have to win, uh, or at least uh, yeah, get sort of a stalemate, which is a loss for Ukraine because Ukraine wants all their Russian-occupied territory back. Uh, so, you know, the... Uh, both sides have reasons to you know, keep it going until there's a victory. The Russians are the ones who are most likely to collapse first. Uh, they, they have these economic sanctions. Uh, they have you know, multiple commitments. Uh, they're buying these elderly weapons, uh, munitions, and what have you, from, from North Korea. And they're shipping them you know, via the Trans-Siberian Railroad, which should be more heavily used than it has been for years. Um and, and firing it off. Uh, but, you know, they have no other real source of additional ammunition. Uh, the North Koreans are making all they can, but North Korea needs all the help they can get. You know, they they are bankrupt. They've been bankrupt for a long time. And uh, this burst of business from uh, Russia, uh, you know, will keep them, uh, you know, above water for a while longer. Uh, the Koreans are willing to bargain with Russia, say, look, Help us with our nuclear weapons. They're kind of crude. They are very crude. Uh, and Russia said, nah, maybe we don't want to do that. Because, see, and Russia is looking ahead. They say, this war will be over. And people will remember the things you did uh, that have long-term consequences. And improving North Korean nuclear weapons has long-term consequences. Also, uh, South Korea is one of the top ten economies in the world. And they trade with Russia. And Russia realizes they don't really want to tick off the, uh, the the South Koreans. South Koreans have also become major uh, weapons exporters. Uh, a lot of the uh, the weapons being used in uh, in Ukraine, uh, uh, especially being bought by uh, the, the NATO allies supplying Ukraine, uh, are coming from uh, South Korea. Uh, so yeah, they're making book. Again, they're also paying attention to uh, what works and what doesn't work and adjusting their systems accordingly. Uh, North Korea is a basket case, but they're a desperate basket case. Uh, South Korea isn't necessarily afraid that, that they'll make a uh, actually an effective attack, but any attack would be you know costly in South Korea because Seoul, the capital city, has got like a third of the population. It's within artillery range of the, the militarized zone, the border, and what have you. It's an unfortunate place to put the capital. That's where it ended up. Nobody expected, you know, Korea to be separated like that. Anyway, 
the um, uh, the 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 war has basically opened opportunities and uh, exposed liabilities for all concerned. Everybody involved, uh, you know, not just in uh, in in, uh, in in Western Europe, but also in East Asia, as we see with with South Korea and North Korea. Uh, it's it's something of a semi-global war, and uh, it can't go on forever because again. The resources are being consumed at such a huge rate. Again, this shocked everybody. Uh, you know how many are how many artillery shells you need just to stay competitive. Uh, you know artillery. You know we we thought the smart shells, uh, the, the GPS jet guided shells and what have you, which are very popular, and we sent a lot of those. They they're fine if you have to hit a precise target. But many times artillery is simply used to. Uh, to basically pound an area to destroy fortifications on the ground. You don't know exactly where they are, but if they fire a few thousand uh, shells, you'll start to see the ground move <laughs> as the as the, these things start to collapse. Uh, the uh, the unguided artillery shells are used for interdiction fire. If you have to keep people or discourage people from using uh, a road for a supply route, you just intermittently fire you know shells in there, and so on and so on and so it goes. Uh, but again, everybody underestimated the sheer quantity of ammunition uh, that be, that would be required, and it was obvious that the side that ran out that ran out last of ammunition would be the winner, and that's what the Russians are up against. I, they have nobody else to buy from except North Korea, uh, whereas the the Ukrainians can get it from the West and from anybody else who's willing to sell for cash. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, you know, as, as the Russians used to say, quantity has a quality of its own. And in this case, with artillery ammunition, that's the quality you're looking for. Austin, what benefits does Russia give to Hamas? Is it just moral support or is there anything else going on? That's a good question, Dan, because there's some <laughs> deficits that cut with hanging out uh, with Hamas, uh, certainly uh, media narrative uh, uh, de uh, deficits. But uh, look, t ties up uh, the United States. I know it's the immediate threat is to Israel, but if you look at the United States as uh, the global linebacker for uh, democracies and I'll say uh, the constructive, if they're authoritarian regimes, I know that, uh, just sidebar here, Jim may be smiling. Austin, are you talking about Turkey? <laughs> Turkey, in a lot of ways, is more constructive than destructive. But everybody knows what I think I heard of one. Well, they should. You know, what a lousy, a, a lousy bomb. But it, the U.S. is the big linebacker. And and it's it's backs up you know, uh, allies in the Middle East, backs up allies uh, in, uh, in Europe. Uh Backs up uh, Canada because there is a northern front emerge. Backs up South Korea, Japan, Taiwan, uh, the Philippines. I'm going to include Vietnam because it's essentially uh, Vietnam is a coalition uh, partner of the Philippines in trying to stop uh, communist China in, in, in the South China Sea. Backs up Singapore. Now, India can more or less hold its own, but in an odd way, the U.S. is India's 
uh, back up as well. Well, hell, if, if in the United States, it's using a, say, a linebacker, and maybe it's just I'm making a football analogy, only in a, in, 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 a, in a distant way, the U.S. has the ability to be multiple linebackers, but it, it can't do it. Uh, uh, it. It cannot do it with quality and power uh, to uh, assure uh, its allies plus protect the U.S. Uh, it, itself. It can't be a decisive linebacker everywhere. I guess that's the way I would uh, I would put it. And you have to pay attention to what's going on on the map. Whether you think the Chinese would move or not, you have to be prepared for a Chinese move, and you have to let the Chinese know if you move, uh, we're going to hit you back. We're going to back up our our legitimate uh, our, our our allies, and so don't do it. Even though we know you know it's bad for business, and you all. Are, are hooked on, on making money. You know, tons of people thought Russia wouldn't move with a you know, all-out uh, offensive in February of 2022, and they did anyway. Uh, the Israelis had convinced themselves that uh, Hamas was now into development because that was the, that was the uh, distraction uh, that uh, the uh, uh, the Hamas leadership uh, uh, created. Let the is, Israelis uh, believe that. They wanted to believe it, just like the United States and Britain in September, October of 1941 wanted to believe that the Japanese were going to attack, that we're going to go south to the Dutch East Indies and grab the oil. That was the story, the cover story that uh, Tokyo uh, created. Uh, and then, hey, here comes Hamas with that. Uh, introducing 21st century atrocity war, warfare. You know, your enemy always gets the vote. And I, Mike, I'm not predicting an American collapse, not at all. But, and as Jim pointed out, and it's, this has been on strategy page re repeatedly, we even said it, noted it, that there are coming out of the Ukraine's war, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, is a realization within NATO and the United, and the United States and, and South Korea that, that uh, artillery artillery still is the, the uh, god of the battlefield. And uh, it's, you're going to take a lot of shells uh, and we uh, drop down in our uh, capacity to produce them. It's going to take a lot of missiles to the Air defense situation has evolved. We're back into a new era of, uh, of of air defenders. And it comes to the question, the fact is, I think I'm going to write about this sometime in the next month. How many arrows do you have in the quiver? That was a term that when a ballistic missile defense office existed, and I happened to be for four years as a reservist, that I had a J3 strategist slot at BIMPO. It's, it's SDI, missile defense. But the term was, if you get into... A strategic ally missile, uh, missile war, or how many of the arrows did they have in the quiver? Because the other guy keeps shooting, and you 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 shoot to intercept them, and you're going to try to hit every incoming warhead with at least you know fire at least two anti missile missiles, if not four, depending on type, size, distance, and the like. And suddenly you you have no more arrows left. 
and they're expensive arrows to build, which is one reason that there are that many of them. Well, we've learned, yeah, we've learned that with drones, you know, swarming air and space type attacks, we need a lot of arrows in our quiver. So we have to build up, uh, build up uh, resources, the military industrial base, to to uh, to provide the arrows and shells and the material to wage this kind of war. And if you don't, you're going to get caught short. Uh, and that awareness, as Jim says, everybody's making their adjustments. In uh, and, and that sense, the Ukraine war has been uh, a uh, wake-up call. I'll just uh, say the West in a general sense, but what I mean by the West includes South Korea and Japan uh, and, and Singapore uh, and, and Australia. Uh, it's, uh, uh, in a sense, it also includes India. But they, the, what you would say would be the greater democratic co- uh, coalition where more or less they rely, they could rely on one another in, a, in an extreme situation. Uh, that's a little bit of good out of a terrible, uh, a terrible situation. But we're aware of it. I was going to make one uh, of what Jim's about using artillery. Lots of times you do go after area targets. And an area target, look, a, an infantry uh, battalion or brigade that I'm talking about, personnel spread out in an in area is an area target. And it's not something you're going to fire uh, necessarily a smart, precise munition at. You want something that's going to be able to bring a lot of shrapnel and a personnel and a personnel shrapnel uh, over the area, and that's where you you're going to spend a lot of rounds. So they can be dumb rounds, but they're they're, they're hopefully they're in variable time so that, that you can uh, uh, put the shrapnel down and catch the uh, enemy uh, infantry. You be able to get them in their in their foxholes, but that takes a lot of ammo to do that, and that's that is a World War One, World War Two type tactic that we're certainly seeing uh, occur in, in Ukraine. Uh, every other week, you read about the Ukrainians catching a, a Russian infantry unit uh, out in the open, and they if they don't hit them with artillery; they're hitting them with uh, with uh, uh, multiple launch rocket systems carrying uh, anti personnel type. Uh, Munitions. So, uh, just point out that it's not just one five five millimeter shells you have to have. You have to have the entire arsenal, entire array of shells and and fuses to uh, meet the tactical situation. That requires planning, but it also requires a lot of money and an industrial base to produce it. Well, we need to wrap it up there. Um, We'll be watching the situation closely and uh, report on anything that we hear. Uh, Thank you, and we'll talk to you both next time. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.